Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. Uh, we are in a series in the book of Galatians. Now, Sometimes when we do a series, we do a topical series, so we'll kind of work through a topic and we'll go through scriptures and, and see what the scriptures tell us about that particular topic. And then sometimes we choose to work through a book of the Bible, which is what we're doing now, uh, leading up to Easter. The challenge of doing a, a book study like this is today, where statistically they say that people only attend church, regular attenders only attend church every second or third Sunday, is for about the first three Sundays, we need to kind of repeat everything about the book so that everybody can be up to speed with us as we walk through this series. So today I'm going to give you a few highlights of the last two weeks just to make sure that we're all in the same spot. Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was sort of more of a, a church planter than a pastor. So he would go into areas where there was no Christian presence, and he would plant churches. And as he planted churches, as he launched these churches, he would raise up leadership and raise up pastors, and he would get them going on their way, and then he would take off, and he would go plant another church somewhere else. And a lot of the New Testament holds these smaller books, which are really letters that were written to these church plants. And they were often written to the church plants as letters of encouragement or letters of correction, which is what we find in the book of Galatians. So they sort of got off track a little bit, and Paul wants to write them a little letter and try to get them back on the right road. So the, these, the churches that he's writing to are in this area called Galatia, which is sort of right in the middle and the heart of what we would call modern-day Turkey now. And, and so Paul had planted a bunch of churches, and he now is off working on some other church plant somewhere else. And, and what happened when Paul left was there, was there were some Jewish Christians that came in behind. So when I say Jewish Christians, what I mean is people who were, were born in the Jewish faith, had followed the Jewish faith, but then had become followers of Jesus. So they had the traditions of their Jewish faith, and they had their newfound hope in Jesus. And sometimes what happened was they kind of mistakenly combined the two into something that turned into mm, something a little bit difficult. And that's what was happening. These Jewish Christians were coming in behind Paul, and they were trying to um, enforce some of the things that they practiced on these new believers. And one of the things that they one of the things that seemed to cause a lot of problems was that, that these Jewish Christians were coming in and trying to tell these new Christians in Galatia that they needed the men needed to be circumcised, which was not something that went over very well with, with new church people, in case that surprises you. Uh, it caused a lot of problems. And, and so Paul is basically, he's writing this, this book or this letter to, to kind of try to help straighten out this problem. Because the, the new church members, we'll call them, the new believers in Galatia, they, they just didn't know. They didn't know. And they saw these other believers coming in behind and saying, you know what, you're not quite doing this right. 
So Paul wanted to straighten that out. So he starts the book uh, of Galatians, or this letter to the Galatians, and he's like, I, I can't believe you left the gospel so fast. Like, he's, he's frustrated. He can't believe what is happening. He can't believe that that they're already following a different gospel, he talks about. And a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about these two different gospels. And they're kind of highlighted in a story that is at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And it's this story of Adam and Eve in the garden and, and this kind of struggle between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of them is very life-giving. It's, it's what we call the, the real gospel. When, when you are totally in love with Jesus and you are excited to be part of what he's doing and, and you are delighted to be able to serve him and you're living in this place of joy and that's kind of burst out of your relationship with God. And then there was this other tree that in Genesis is called the book of the book, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and it's not really life-giving. It's more of a rule-following sort of place. And you don't really want to do it. You're just doing it because you have to do it. And it's really hard and religious and difficult. So in chapter 1 of Galatians, we talked about these two different Gospels that Paul was referring to. We talked about these two different trees and these choices. So now the story continues in chapter 2. So grab your Bible if you brought your Bible and you want to follow along. It will be on the screen. Um, The translation we're using on the screen is the message today, so it's a little bit different than your Bibles. Uh, Unless you read the message, then you're right on track with me. Uh, If you want to follow along in a Bible, there are Bibles in your pews, but it will be on the screen so you can follow along. Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Later, when Peter, okay, so Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him. So remember, this is Paul writing this letter, and Paul decided he needed to go confront Peter, because what we're going to find out is Peter was actually part of the problem that they were dealing with. Because he was clearly out of line, then Paul says, here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, so these are the the Jewish Christians who are coming in behind that he's referring to, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. So so Peter had a part in this story. And, And so he's hanging out with these Galatian Christians. They're, they're spending lots of time together. He's loving them. He's not condemning them. They're, they're having great fellowship together. And then watch what happens next. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, so again, those Jewish Christians that I was telling you about earlier, he cautiously pulled back. So, so Peter was over here in this life-giving relationship with these new Christians, and, and he's giving to them. They're loving Jesus together, full of God. And then he pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. So he's over here befriending them, 
But then this group of Jewish Christians, who clearly he knows, or seems to know, they came on the scene, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I, like, yeah, I'm not really friends with them. Like, you're my BFFs. Like, we're really, you're really my best friends over here, right? And he puts a lot of distance between him and these new Christians. Now, watch what happens next in the story. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church, they joined in too. So let's just time out here for a second. So all of these people have found this new faith, this new faith in Jesus. They're, they're walking with Jesus. They're, they're finding this freedom, which is really the theme of the book of Galatians, this freedom, this joy. And they're following God out of a heart of, like heartfelt desire, right, of passion, out of relationship. And they join in. But then all of a sudden they have these people who are pulling them back, trying to pull them back into this other gospel. The passage continues. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church, they joined into that hypocrisy so that even, and Paul's just sort of dumbfounded here because he's shocked, that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. Now, I want you to see this because the theme of today's message is how do we keep from going back? How do we keep from going back? How do we keep from leaving the tree of life and going back? Leaving this freedom tree, the, the tree of life, back to this religious tree, because the truth is, it's actually easier than we think to switch back and forth. I, I'm convinced, I kind of imagine it like there is a, a vine that's hanging in between these two trees. And, and you just kind of, you kind of swing from one to the other, from one to the other. You, you have these days where you just, you love Jesus and you are serving God out of the right motivation. And then you find yourself swinging back into this tree and judging people and condemning people and, and you're doing things out of duty instead of delight. And how do you keep from going back and forth? How do you keep from switching from tree to tree like Tarzan does? You know, how do you keep from going back? I, I sort of imagine it like, I imagine it like this. So, you know, you get up in the morning, you get ready for work, you... If you're like me, you get in the car and sometimes I'll turn on some worship music and I've got it blaring in the car and I'm singing along and it's an awesome day and I'm praising God and I'm so full of joy and then you get on the highway. <laughs> and there's that guy who's tailgating me, which I really don't like it when people tailgate me. And I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe he's just going to pass me, but he doesn't. And he's stuck on my bumper on the highway. And then suddenly, you know, I'm having a conversation with the rearview mirror. Like somehow I think that, you know, 
Because I can see him, he can hear what I'm saying to him. And my frustration is building and I'm getting more angry. And then, then we come off the off ramp and he's right on my bumper. And, and now I'm just, I'm just frustrated and angry. And I just want to dedicate this message to every one of us who feels that tension. <laughs> Because it's a tension between living in the tree of life and living over here in that other not-so-lovely tree. Living a life full of joy and, and full of God's spirit. Or holding on to that vine and kind of swinging back and forth. The tension is real. And... We swing back and we're judgmental and frustrated and angry and we know we're supposed to live over here in that, you know, tree of life, but we're just swinging back and forth. So, so what do you do? You know, what, what do you do to keep from going back? I think it begins with really understanding the gospel. We all need to understand the gospel. And that's where Paul goes next in Galatians. He just, he just re-explains the gospel to them again. In verse 16, it says, We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping, but through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How, how do we know? We tried it. And we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. So he's referring to the Old Testament law, and, and specifically the, like the Ten Commandments. They had some pretty significant rules in place. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. So, so we know we can't do that. We know that self-help is not going to work. It's not gonna, that is not going to please God. We know that. We believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah. We're not talking about doing. It's, it's internal, not external. Not by trying to do good, to be good. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man. Paul refers to a law man. That's the other tree. That's the other gospel. So that I could be God's man or God's woman. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I feel the tension. And I know you feel the tension. That, that there are these choices that we make that kind of pull us in either direction. And I know that many of you in this room, that you choose the tree of life, and you serve the Lord joyfully. But we all feel those days. We all have those moments, those road rage kind of days, where you seem like you just switched right back to the other tree in an instant. So is there a secret to staying in the right tree? I think there is. And I think it's the main theme of this particular chapter. The final verse of Galatians chapter 2 reveals to us this the secret, it's not really secret, I guess, if it's there, of not being a law man or a law woman. 
as Paul refers to it. Not being a religious person or someone who is really not living out God's real gospel. It's a discipline. It's a practice that honestly is not very popular. But it's important if we're going to grow as followers of Jesus. And it's in the deep end, okay? It's that, when I say the deep end, I don't mean like it's super deep theologically and it's like, you know, oh, I don't understand it, so it must be deep kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. It, it's a biblical truth that is very challenging for us. And sometimes maybe seems unattainable to us. But I think it's just because we don't totally understand. But no doubt that this one principle, if it's lived out, can change your life. No doubt in my mind. And it will change your life for the good like no other. Probably other than the decision to follow Jesus, it may be the single most important daily decision you will ever make. And it's right here in verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified. I have been crucified. I know that Jesus died for me. But I understand that in order to truly be a follower of Jesus, I have to regularly put to death some things. I have been crucified. Yes, Jesus died for me. But I don't just receive what Jesus did. I have been crucified with Christ. And, and here's the principle, I no longer live. I no longer live. He is basically saying you have to learn the art of dying. You have to learn the art of putting to death some things. Because dead people don't get mad. They don't get upset with people in traffic. They don't get jealous. They're dead. You have to learn to put some things to death. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We call this living the crucified life. And this is a principle that is throughout Scripture. The whole theme of Galatians is for you to come to a place of real freedom. Living your life not according to what the world wants you to do or how your own desires dictate what you want, how you want to live, so that you can be God's man or God's woman. That, that's it. And it can change your life forever. So Jesus talked about it in the book of Matthew in chapter 16. And it says, 
From that time, so, so that time was the end of Jesus' ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So let's just stop here for a minute. So the disciples at this point, they think that Jesus is going to be their earthly king. That, that's how they're thinking about Jesus. They, they had no idea that he would actually be their heavenly king. And, and the nation of Israel was under the rule of the Romans. It's under Roman control. And, and they thought that the Messiah that they had read about in the Old Testament, who would come, that they, they thought that Messiah would overthrow the Roman government. And that this Messiah would sit on the throne in Jerusalem and be king. So, so that's what they have in their, their mind. They think that Jesus is the man, right? They think he's their guy. He's got all the power. He's done all these miracles. I mean, if anybody could do it, Jesus could do it. But then Jesus comes along at the end of his ministry, and he says, I'm going to die. Actually, they're going to crucify me. And it interrupts their plans. Which, by the way, can always tell you if you're in the wrong tree. When you're offended, when your plans get interrupted, when your agenda is not being lived out, and then you express it in some type of frustration because people are not doing what you think they should be doing. It always reveals what tree you're in. The scripture goes on to say, Peter took him aside. Now, this I just think this verse is crazy, ridiculous. And began to rebuke Jesus. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. I mean, are you serious, Peter? Really? Like, the guy who turned a box to lunch into enough food to feed 5,000 people. The guy who walked on water, you're going to rebuke him. He could turn you into a grease spot, let's be honest. Like, I just think it's crazy that Peter had enough guts to do that. But it just shows that in that moment, Peter had grabbed that vine and he was no longer this God-loving, Jesus-following disciple. He's over in the other tree, and he's frustrated because things are not going his way. And he says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of a man. You're, you're not God's man right now. You're, you're, you're thinking too much about yourself in this moment. You're too alive, Peter. There's too much of you going on in this situation. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus introduces the concept that the, the people who live their life to the full are the ones who aren't living it based on their own desires and their own emotions and living their life out their way 
But they practice a discipline that I think the church really needs of living a crucified life. They take up the cross. In other words, in order for you to really live life to the full, something has to die. Something has to die in us in order for us to follow. Now, I, just, I think it just sounds too hard at this point. Like, this sounds hard. But then in the next verse, Paul sort of dangles a little carrot in front of all of us. And it says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. That's good news. And I want you to hear that because today I want to convince you that, that if you can understand the art and the discipline of living a crucified life, a life that regularly puts to death some things in our lives, that the end result is you, you're in the tree over here, like the full of life tree, instead of swinging from tree to tree. And honestly, most people don't want to even hear this message because most people would rather hear a message on how everyone else can change. It's true, right? Like, I want the guy in, the, in my rear view mirror to change. I don't, my attitude doesn't need to change. He needs to change. Let me say it to you this way. Most of us, we want changed situations. God wants to change us. We want changed situations. God wants to change us. And I want to say to you today, you may be in a tough situation. You may be in a tough, you may be married to a tough person. You, you may be in a tough job. Maybe you're in a tough financial situation or, or you just, you feel like you're always driving on a tough highway. And you may be praying for some of those situations to change in your life. But at the end of the day, if you really want to find life, you are never going to find it when those situations change. Because you'll find out that you're the same person. You're the same person on the inside. And even though the situation has changed, you haven't. You know, I can be just as angry if I'm the only car on the highway. Really, I don't need my situation to change. I need to change. How I handle my situation needs to change. And in order for me to change, something in me has to die. Let me show it to you again in Romans chapter 6. For we know that our old self needs, needs to be and has been and was crucified with him. We celebrate the cross of Jesus, but did you ever contemplate the fact that we can experience some deaths ourselves? Some deaths of some things. 
so that we can truly live in the fullness of everything that God has called us to be. So that the body of sin might be, might be done away with. So my impatience is done away with. My anger is done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to it. Which is really where you end up when you're living in the wrong tree. When you're living out the wrong gospel, you are a slave to it. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Freed. And that's why I want this for you. I want us to learn the art of dying well. I, I want to teach you the art that the Apostle Paul learned, the one that he even needed to confront Peter, the Apostle, the disciple, that he even had to be confronted with it. You know, Paul had to say to Peter, you're, you're, you're letting peer pressure make you swing from tree to tree. Where you're befriending these Galatians over here, and, and when your buddies come around from Jerusalem, you're, you're acting like you don't even know them anymore. That, that's not good. That's not what we want. So how do we do this? I mean, that's really the question of the day, right? How do we live this crucified life? And I would say we have to crucify self. We have to crucify self. Now, some of you in this room came to a point in your life where you made a decision to follow Jesus. You said, Lord, I give you my life. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm going to be a passenger from now on. And maybe you came to a point in your life where you said that. But I want to challenge you today that that can't be a one-time decision. What would it be like? What would your life be like if you made that choice every single day on a regular basis? Can I share with you a beautiful principle that I think we need to add daily into our disciplines? It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 31 where Paul says, "I die every day. I die every day. So what does that mean? Paul knew that there was this tendency to grab a hold of that vine and swing back and forth from tree to tree. You can be over here and you're in church and you're praising God and you're singing at the top of your lungs and then Sometimes we don't even get to the parking lot before we've swung back over to this other tree and we're judging and we're condemning and we're frustrated and we're angry. Paul understood that. That we have this tendency to swing over to this other gospel that is not life-giving and it does not have freedom. So what's the secret? Paul says... I die every day. Paul knew that the secret was coming before the Lord every day. So imagine, if you would, that every day you come before the Lord 
and you say, Lord, once again, today, I say yes to you and your plan for my life. Today, once again, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that my sins are forgiven. Once again, today, I ask that you take all of me and I give it all to you. Lord, today I give you my attitude. Before my attitude gets out of check, I want to kill my attitude and I want to have your attitude. Would you give that to me? I don't want my nature, I want your nature. And would you please replace it with love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Can you put those things inside of me instead? And Lord, today would you take my mouth and let every word that comes from my mouth today build people up instead of tearing them down. God, today let my hands do good for people and let them never harm anyone. Let my mind be the mind of Christ that I might think on things like Philippians 4 that are excellent and praiseworthy and pure. God, let my feet go to places that you want me to go today. And Lord, I'm asking for divine appointments. Help me see the people you want me to see. Imagine if you started every day like that. It would change your world. It would change our world. Now that prayer is probably only good for about 24 hours. <laughs> Why? Because there's a vine between the two trees. And if we leave that vine unchecked, we will grab hold of it every time and go right back. Right back to the other tree again. And I believe that's why Paul says, I die daily. I would also like to suggest to you that we should add this verse to our, our daily prayer life too. Because I think we need it. It's John chapter 3, verse 30. And it says... He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Some translations say, he must increase, and I must decrease. Imagine if every day we got on our knees and said, Lord, I humble myself before you. And we left our egos, and we left our attitudes, and we said, Lord, I want you to be great today. God, you need to be great, and I need to be less. I heard a saying once uh, that said, a man on his face cannot fall from that position. A man on his face cannot fall from that position. Position. What would your life be like if you started that low every day? Humbly before God. So what's the action step that we need to take daily? 
Humility. Humility. Who would think that a word like that would give life? But I would say that there are a few words that will give you more life than the word humility. We have to crucify self every day. We need to walk humbly for our God. We need to come before him with humility to put the things in us to death that he does not want in us. And we have to do it day after day after day. And he is good, and he's kind, and he's gracious, and loving, and understanding. And as we fail and come before him day after day after day, he just welcomes us in over and over and over again. As we close a service today, I'd like to give us just some opportunity to hear from the Spirit. Because I'm not here to try to convince you of the things you need to change in your life. I, I have enough things I need to change in my life. The Spirit is the one who points out those things to us. The Spirit is the one who speaks to us and prompts us and says, hey, we've got to work on this one. So as we close, I want to provide a little bit of time for us to hear from the Spirit today because I believe that, that the Spirit wants to speak to each and every one of us today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us a little bit, and then we'll have a time of silence before we close our service today. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? Spirit, we want to listen. And we can imagine how much better our life would be if we started each day humbly before you. Spirit, I, I just want to pray that right now you would speak to each and every person in this room and that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us grace.